the real commitment doesn't even start until the original plan goes out the window. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Radically Loved Radio. I wanted to create a place where people can go to to get inspired, get motivated, or find some clarity and get tools to create a radically loved life. I will do my best to provide information on a variety of subjects, including yoga, holistic health, life coaching, spirituality, meditation, and overall mindful living. Each episode will bring you some of the world's best spiritual leaders, entrepreneurs, yoga teachers, coaches, along with some of my closest friends, and we will talk about their life experiences and journeys to create something more out of their lives and how they continue to grow to make that happen. Thanks for listening. Uh, Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Radically Loved. I'm here uh, with a very special guest. Light Watkins is, um, I want to call you a prolific teacher. He's a a meditation teacher. He's a guide. He's a keynote speaker. He's a best-selling author. He is probably one of the most inspiring teachers in this space. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Such a lovely, sweet, and short introduction. I yeah, love I was, that. I was going to ask you, I'm like, how do you want? I'm like, you know what? Here, let me just. No, that's perfect. I'm, I'm happy to be back on the show. Yes. Thank you so much for being back again. And we were just yeah. talking just a moment ago about how our last conversation lasted for hours. <laughs> <laughs> right. And it was, in fact, that conversation resonated with me so much that I still remember some of the things that we talked about during it. And this mm. was, I don't even remember what year it was. That was 2018 when Bliss Moore came out, the meditation yes. book. So we talked a lot about meditation. Yes. And this was right before you liquidated all of your um, mm-hmm. belongings. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's one way to put it. <laughs> liquidated, yeah. liquidated all of your belongings and you are living this nomadic life. Yeah. I didn't even know if it would last this long, but I'm, I'm like, I, I love it. I haven't missed my stuff one second. And I'm uh, currently down here in Mexico City in an Airbnb. It's, it's a bit cavernous, so there may be a little bit of an echo, but yeah, I'm still living out of a bag. In fact, I've downsized. I had Stop. too much stuff. No. And I was like, you know what? I need to just have one bag. I don't need a, a carry-on in a backpack. So now I just have a backpack. It's a little, um, I think it's a 40-liter backpack. And everything that I have fits in that. So it's been fun and interesting and adventurous and all the things. Wow, that is, I, I'd love to hear more about that. But one of the, I'm like, but first, you have a new book out. And the reason why I want to talk about this, it's knowing where to look and it's 108 daily doses of inspirations and I have it here. Mm -hmm. And, um, we actually, this is important because it pertains to this actually knowing where to look because Mm -hmm. we actually had an interview scheduled the day after my, uh, our dog went into left the earth plane. And, um, I was probably one of the most devastating moments and your book actually came, I think a couple of days after that. And I opened it and I saw it and, you know, it was just kind of a really hard time for both Tori and I, and I I opened the book and I started reading it and I felt like just sitting there reading was one of the most healing things I was able to experience during that time, because 
it was so pertinent to how everything here, like wherever I would open the book, felt like it was speaking to something that I was feeling, right? And it really, oh, I'm going to try not get emotional, but it really, it really resonated with me like so much. And I, I love, I mean, I would definitely want to hear your inspiration behind the book and what, what the catalyst was to creating this. And really, I want to know the, the insight that happens internally for you when you do get these moments of inspiration or you get these moments of observing something from that higher perspective where you could actually find purpose in something that maybe somebody else would say, oh, that's just, that doesn't mean anything. The fact that you're seeing this right now isn't speaking to your experience. I feel that it is very pertinent. So I know that's kind of a really ambiguous question or statement that I just made. Do you want to speak to it? <laughs> no, I, uh, I remember hearing that news and I felt so, so bad. You know, I was kind of, cause I, I get it. I understand. I've never had a dog personally, but I've, I've been in relationships, long-term relationships with where dogs were involved. And it's always a, always a sad thing. In fact, one of the saddest stories I've ever heard, which I think will help to answer your question that you just asked was I was in uh, New York visiting a friend of mine who I had not seen in about 15 years. And um, we just kind of fallen out of touch and but we're the, we had the kind of friendship where if we saw each other, it was all good. So that we didn't have to like feel bad about it. Mm -hmm. So we went and had dinner in a restaurant in Manhattan one night. And um, he was telling me um, about, no, he had a picture on his screensaver on his phone, which is like really blurry picture of his dog. And I was like, why do you have that blurry picture? on your phone, like that's such a bad picture of your dog. And then he told me the backstory. The backstory was his dog had recently died. Just all of a sudden, one night, just tipped over. He was in the middle of the night and uh, he ran, rushed the dog to the emergency, whatever veterinarian emergency room. And, uh, and the dog had passed away. And simultaneously, he had just changed phones the day before. He changed from, I think it was an iPhone to an Android. And somehow he lost 14 years of memories. And that was the only picture he had, was that one picture he took, that blurry picture. Mm. And that had to encapsulate his entire relationship with his dog. And, um, and it's those kinds of moments you know, where you, we just kind of dismiss things as insignificant. You know, if we see something on someone's phone or we're passing by somewhere, but everything has a story. Everything has a story. And oftentimes when you go deep into that story or even just go a couple layers beyond the surface, you can um, find some deeper meaning, which is usually pretty beautiful and it connects dots and it ties to your life and, you know, all of those things. And that's what I've been obsessed with doing over the last, especially five years when I started writing these daily doses in preparation for 
the book that you and I talked about in the last episode, when I got that book deal to write Bliss More, which was a meditation book, I was so insecure about my writing that I thought that I needed to practice writing. And so I hatched this plan to write a daily email and um, to tell stories, inspirational stories, short story, you know, 200 words or less uh, as a way of, of both practicing telling stories and practicing my writing and then making it public. So I had to really think about it. And then I had a deadline, six o'clock AM Pacific time every day. And that's what started it. And I was, you know, scared and hesitant and I didn't want to take on such a big commitment and put myself out there and get potentially negative feedback. And, and I was just, I was nervous, you know, I was really nervous. And uh, so I postponed this for many, many months. And then eventually I decided to take the leap of faith um, and started writing them day after day. And then after about three or four weeks, my worst fears came to light, which was, I was going to run out of things to talk about, <laughs> which I did. And, uh, and, but I would be sitting at my couch in Santa Monica. It's like midnight, you know, 1230. And I'm just, you know, every minute it's just like, I just want to go to bed. Nothing is coming through. It has to go out in six hours. And, um, and I was just close my eyes and then get into that sort of meditative state. And then something would just come through and I would start writing. And then that would be the next day's story. And then that started happening. And I found that, that thing that Maya Angelou says, which is you can't, you can't run out of creativity because being creative generates creativity. I'm paraphrasing, but that was my experience was that just showing up was uh, played a big role in, in trend and in, in channeling something to say, maybe it's from the muse or some higher power or something like that. But that, that was uh, 1,800 and something daily doses ago. And today I still, you know, I'm still doing it every day. Wow, that is, it's so inspiring because I think that sometimes unless we're paying attention, we'll miss it, we'll forget. And I know that you talk about that as well. I feel like one of the biggest things that is ailing our culture is that we're just not paying attention. Yeah, we're, 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 we're doing this, you know, we're on our phones all the time and we're, there's so much happening around us that we're just missing. What, what kind of insight can you provide people that are in that place of feeling stuck or they're experiencing their worst nightmare right now and they just feel like they don't have inspiration and they're just feeling totally lost, especially after the year and a half that we've had with this pandemic? I think a, a very useful way to generate some inspiration is to just practice gratitude, to literally intentionally sit down and say to yourself, okay, what are five things? What are 10 things that I'm grateful for in this moment? And if nothing comes to mind, then just start to notice the sensations that are around you. Right. And notice that, you know, you can move your, you don't have rigor mortis in your knuckles. <laughs> you move freely, your hands, your arms, your legs, you can see, you can smell, you can taste, and just start to notice all the sensations. And 
and then make that a regular, a more regular practice. And that will help to anchor us in the present moment. And that's when you see things is when you're in the present moment. If you're in the future worrying about what's going to happen next, or you're in the past regretting what happened before, it's really hard to stay in the present. And when you're not in the present, you're going to miss so much rich richness, um, so much of the sentience of just everything all around you all the time that is transmitting messages and communicating with you and, and um, really just screaming to be noticed by you. Yeah. It, to me, it seems like such a simple practice. Like really all we have to do is be aware and pay attention and practice gratitude and be in that resonating state. And I think for me, because I am such an open person, that's why this book resonated so much because it came at that perfect time for me where I was feeling totally stuck. This whole everything happened the day before I was turning my manuscript in. And I'm still, I was on those last two chapters and I just felt like, how am I supposed to do this? There's not, I can't access anything right now because I'm overwhelmed and immersed in pain and that loss. And I think going into that place of, and I was working really hard. I was doing my practice every day. You know, I was still... I was still going through the motions. I wasn't feeling like doing anything, but I was still kind of pushing myself to just go through, even though I would just sit right back here and just ball my eyes out and just continue to just go through this process. But mm -hmm. I think having that insight to, to say, okay, well, what are my options here? I could either continue to dwell in that state. And for some people, they need to go through that process for many days, many months. I don't know how healthy that is. I'm not a professional, so I don't know. All I know that for me, being in that state for a long period of time is not going to serve my highest good. Mm. And we, we talked about this. You know, I grew up in East LA during the LA riots, so part of my... PTSD and, and living in that fight or flight for the first, you know, 15 years of my life. Um, I know what it's like to live in that uh, projecting into the future and thinking about the past constantly just not being in my body. And I feel that the, the way to know, to know where to look it is the best practice of being present and the best practice of being open. If you want to get healthier, one of the best things you can do is get seven hours of quality sleep every night. I know it's very hard to do that because your mind keeps you awake and maybe you're uncomfortable or you wake up too early and then it's hard to fall back asleep again. There are a hundred reasons why you can't get seven hours of quality sleep every night. But listen, because your body heals itself when you're sleeping, if you're not getting enough quality sleep, you might be increasing your risk for disease. 
So an easy way to get good quality sleep every night is to make sure you're getting enough magnesium. Believe it or not, around 75% of people don't have enough of it. This helps explain why so many people have sleep problems. But do not run to the store to buy your first magnesium supplement. Most magnesium supplements use only two of the cheapest synthetic forms. And since they're not full spectrum, they won't fix your magnesium deficiency or help you sleep better. There are actually seven unique forms of magnesium and you must get all of them if you want to experience its calming sleep enhancing effects. That's why I recommend Magnesium Breakthrough by Bioptimizers. Simply take two capsules before you go to bed and you'll be amazed at how much better you sleep. Notice how well rested you are when you wake up and it really allows the day to flow by in a more enjoyable way. And for an exclusive offer to all of my listeners, go to magbreakthrough.com forward slash radically loved and use code radically loved 10 during checkout to save 10% off. Go to magbreakthrough.com forward slash radically loved. And don't forget to use the code radically loved 10 so you can get 10% off of any order. And a special thanks to Bioptimizers for sponsoring this show. This episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. BetterHelp's mission is making professional counseling accessible, affordable, and convenient. So anyone who struggles with life's challenges can get help anytime, anywhere. BetterHelp offers access to licensed, trained, experienced, and accredited psychologists, marriage and family therapists, clinical and social workers, and board-licensed professional counselors. You can pay a low flat fee for unlimited counseling with your counselor. Counseling doesn't have to be expensive. There have been thousands of people who have benefited from online therapy, myself included. With BetterHelp, you can switch counselors at any point if you don't feel like you're getting enough benefit. And you can do it at your own time, at your own pace. You can communicate with therapists as often as you want and whenever you feel it's needed. Help is always available at the time and place that you need. So if you're ready, head over to betterhelp.com forward slash loved. For a limited time, they're offering all of our Radically Loved listeners 10% off of your first month. You could also use the discount code loved and it'll automatically be applied. Head over to betterhelp.com forward slash loved. That's L-O-V-E-D. Or you can simply head over to the info button of this podcast and go to the link directly. A special thank you to BetterHelp for supporting us and our community. And now back to our show. I guess my next question for you is, is, is this something that comes to you easy now that you've been doing it for a thousand days that, you know, that you've, <laughs> you've been doing this for so long? Does it just happen naturally for you or is it still difficult for you at, at times? And what do you do in those moments? It is a lot easier, actually. And I want to be honest about that because I think, I don't think there's anything special about me. It's just applying the principle of showing up again and again and again and again. And, and when you have a headache and when you're sick and when you have to travel and when you have to these other obligations and you just keep making the time, I think that's really the key to cultivating whatever, whatever flow state you want to create in your life is to not just do it when it's convenient. And I talk about this in the book, there's a piece about commitment. And I say that the real commitment doesn't even start until the original plan goes out the window. 
And that's when you really start to, you know, see what, what you're, you're made of. And, and I feel like you are gifted a perceptual acute, a level of perception that you wouldn't have had otherwise had you not really sacrificed in order to show up for yourself. And I know, you know, people experience this in yoga, in the yoga circles and the meditation and just pretty much in every area of life. Now, that's not to say that it doesn't require work and consideration and thoughtfulness and care. All of that goes into it. But just through pure repetition, you learn how to do those things a lot more seamlessly. And, um, you know, I did those during 2020, I was putting those videos out every day on Instagram. And the reason I started doing that on Valentine's day of 2020, just before the pandemic hit in America, um, was I just wanted to learn how to do videos and be comfortable speaking on videos and, and learn all the things associated with that. And the first month was just clunky and I was trying to figure it out and feeling like, you know, feeling a bit green behind the ears and, but cut to 10 months later, I could do those videos in my sleep, you know, like I would just sit down on my couch and go, okay, what am I going to do a video about today? And I just, this idea would just come through. I wouldn't think about it too much. And one of those days was the day that, you know, right after the George Floyd thing happened and I put my video out talking about my own personal experience being racially profiled. And that video ended up getting like 3.5 million views. That was my first proper viral viral video. But the, the fascinating thing to me about it was I didn't put any more thought into that video. In fact, you know what happened? My microphone broke the day I did that video. Right before I did it, the microphone wasn't working. And I considered skipping that day because I didn't have, it wasn't perfect. You know, I didn't have my perfect sound. And so I had to like, I said to him, I played this game with myself. I said, look, if I was being paid a million dollars to figure this out, how, what would I do? And so I went into the bedroom where it was more carpeted. And I just found a little corner in my bedroom where I was staying in Atlanta, where the sound wasn't as echoey. And, um, and I just did the video and didn't think anything of it, put it up went out to the park like I do every day. And, uh, and then I started getting all these, just, it was crazy, the amount of incoming messages and shares and whatnot. And, but that was after three months or four months of just every day, forcing myself almost to figure, figure that out. And, uh, and I think that's how it happens when you see someone who like the guy with the, on the skateboard, drinking the ocean spray cranberry juice, that wasn't his first video. I, I scrolled back through his feed and he'd been doing that for many, many months. That was just one day he said, okay, I'm going to do it on the skateboard now. And that's the one that now he's in commercials with Snoop Dogg and whatnot, you know? So I think, I think we can put a lot of pressure on ourselves because we see things like that. And go, oh man, my life is not still stuck. And these people are all blowing up and da 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 da, and they're getting all this attention. But really, when you peel back the veil, you'll see that a lot of most of the time, these people are just repeating a certain movement or gesture or offering or service over and over with nobody paying attention. And then one day, the right person pays attention 
or they put out something that just strikes the right message, the right chord. And then that's what, what, what happens. And that can happen with anybody. As long as you're, what you're doing, you're curious about and you're passionate about and you're excited about, and you're a little nervous about, I think nervousness and, and being afraid in a good way is uh, is that one of the prerequisites for inspiration. So don't talk yourself out of it because you're nervous. Lean into that. Yeah, oh, I love that. That's such great advice in a world where we constantly talk ourselves out of doing everything <laughs> because we don't feel like we're experienced enough. We don't, we're not good enough. We don't have the right lighting. We don't have the right words to say. I think that's, that's actually the key. We're overthinking it, right? We're totally overthinking it. And we become paralyzed by comparing ourselves to everybody else, right? And in social media, it makes it so easy to do that because you're comparing yourself to other people's highlight reel. I told yeah. a story in the book called Pins, Tucks, and Clamps about my modeling days when um, I finally got to see behind the curtain there, you know, because when I was in high school, I used to order clothes from J. Crew in Banana Republic, and they would always come so boxy. And I would look in the catalog and say, well, it looks tailored in this person in the catalog, but it looks boxy on me. And I didn't understand why that was the case. And then when I became a model, I found out that the stylists would clamp and cut and tuck and pin and everything. If you look behind the models, you wouldn't even, it would be, look like a scarecrow or something. I don't know, but it's, it was so enlightening to see that nothing, a lot of the stuff that we see on, in catalogs, on social media, it's just, it's not real. And I know that's become a part of the conversation these days, but I think we just have to keep reminding us of that, that most of what we're seeing is not real. And so when we're comparing ourselves to these people and to these other situations, it's not it's, it's, we're, we're generating um, envy unnecessarily, which is again, yanking us out of the present moment. And then we're not able to appreciate the things that we have and places where we are. Yeah. It's so interesting that you say that because I, I have such a tumultuous relationship with social media, especially mm. with Instagram, because unless I spend enough time to curate my feed and mute accounts that I don't want to see or people. I never get off of Instagram and feel good. Mm. You know? I never, mm. I never close the app and feel inspired or feel good. Mm -hmm. And, and, and not always, I may see some of my friends, like I may see a picture or a video that you post or some of my other friends and it's like, that's exciting. But in between that, there's still so much filtering that happens where you see, you know, or hear, and it's just, it's hard to not feel the, the, the pressure that we put on ourselves to perform or to the, to show the facade, you know, and even though we're having that conversation, I feel like there's still such a huge disparity between acknowledging and actually taking action and having the conversation be more authentic and real, you know, mm -hmm. um, I, I do my best to just say, Hey, like, 
this is how it's not always like this and maybe the facade from the outside looks great the podcast is doing well and this and book deal and summits and you know all this stuff but I mean people still have like bills to pay and like life and uh issues with their families like anxiety and stress and just all the things that are that are going on behind the scenes and even though I think that we crave that reality we crave that authenticity that honesty it's still I still feel like we're a little bit hypocritical because it's not what we want to see you know you don't want to really see that you don't want to see behind the curtain you want to you want to see the show you want to be entertained you want to see the beautifully cur- curated feed does that make sense yeah 100 percent. I totally I totally agree <laughs> um no I feel the same way you know (laughs) even with like positive thought quotes on on Instagram it's it's, it's a little bit much it's like okay either everybody else has it figured out and I'm just uh nincompoop you know I'm a klutz yeah and or everyone is faking like they have it figured out and I'm just another one of those people or (laughs) I think you know when you start questioning why I mean why am I even on this thing right now why am I what do they call doom scrolling or whatever kind of scrolling? Why can't I stop? And, you know, it's kind of like, it's kind of like um, being in a relationship with a narcissist, you know, like Instagram is kind of like our nurse, our society's narcissistic tendencies, but we can't get enough of it. There's a part of us that's attracted to that. Yeah. And if we're being honest, which a lot of us don't want to be, if we're being honest. We have to ask ourselves, what part of me is attracted to this? And, and what am I going to do about that? And so, you know, as I say with this book, I don't have the answers. I just have, you know, prompts and questions and, and things to consider. Yeah. Because even if we, let's say you were that person, the Cal Newports of the world who say, okay, I'm going to get rid of social media. Well, then that's also kind of separating yourself into this other box that a lot of people now cannot relate to. And there may be even a little bit of, I don't know him or his story at all, but a lot of people may relate to that as, Oh, they think they're better than us. Cause we're, you know, they're off of social media and we're on social media. So it's like, I don't know if that you can graduate from the comparison mindset. You just pick your, pick your poison. You pick which area of life you choose to do that. Yeah. I mean, uh, I I think it's a little bit much, you know, to be an extra, I've said it before. I'm like, I'm just going to quit and just not engage. But I think it's, it's exactly what you're saying is spot on. I think it's about picking and choosing. It just can't be, it's just not sustainable to disconnect from everything as well. I think part of life's journey is us being able to adapt to the hard things in life to adjust and it's it's on us there was a a quote that i i saw a couple of weeks ago that said um when somebody's triggered it's like your triggers are your responsibility not the other person's you know like when people are feeling triggered by somebody else like i mean somebody can trigger me but and i'm paraphrasing the quote but i think in a way, just feeling more empowered 
within ourselves to take response, not responsibility, because I feel like that's a little harsh, but to just have the autonomy to know when to pull back or to give yourself the space so that you're not constantly comparing yourself to other people to be able to focus on on yourself and to bring it back to the book it's what the quote and i can't remember where it was exactly what you were talking about making art and your and how andy warhol said the quote about you know just making art when somebody's talking about you just continue to make art i mean that's exactly what you're saying and in a sense it's what i'm saying as well and we can take that same idea and apply it to how we feel about all the external realities of the world it's pull back and focus on your own craft and focus on doing your whatever it is daily you know does that make sense i don't know yeah and i think that's what really i think that's what it's all about is you know there's a couple ways we can go with it we can compare or we can make art and so making art you know if you look at it through a hip-hop lens like you have people who live in projects and in the hood and and Obviously, that involves food deserts. It involves the crime. It involves abuse of uh, families and all kinds, all the things that come with low-income areas. And what they did was they converted those experiences into art, and they created songs and you know rhythmic patterns and samples and putting all that together, and that became an expression that is unique to that experience so much so that they even refer to it as the culture, right? When they say the culture, they're talking about the hip hop culture, which means people who come from those particular areas. And, and it's something that people now emulate and they want to include that in their fashion shows and their couture lines and their, you know, in, in their movies and films and, and, and other forms of music. And, and that's a, I think that's a great example of taking something that is uh, on the surface undesirable, like inherently undesirable and converting it into something beautiful. And that's the opportunity for all of us. If you have something in your life that you're complaining about, you have the choice to just stop and say, okay, what's beautiful about this? Or how can I express it in a way that feels authentic to my lived experience? And then other people will want to share that and identify and some people will identify with that and that could become a whole thing it could become a book it could become a one woman show or play or you know or something that is beautiful that will inspire people for generations to come so i think that's always there for us if we are present enough to it if we are willing to take a moment to just sit with that and say okay what am i feeling called to express within this experience yeah oh that's so I love that. That is so, that's so good. And how, how do we do that? Like every day, <laughs> like how do we get into that space? How do we get into that mindset? How do we get into that experience daily so that we don't, um, become, you know, uh, immersed in that feeling of, Oh, I can't do it or it's not good enough. Um, you know, I think, one thing that Ralph Waldo Emerson said, and he was a big inspiration for me starting this work, he said, um, our chief desire is for someone to be, is, is for someone to inspire us to be who we know we can be. So that, that is a, uh, that's offering the assumption that we all have this, this 
desire to be something, to be our full expression of ourselves, whatever that looks like. And usually it is expressed in childhood, in our innocent childlike curiosities, our innocent wonder of the world. And then it gets suppressed as we continue to get older, have more life experience. And I think that, well, you know, my podcast is all about uncovering those stories, those, the hero's journey story of people who found their calling or their passion or their purpose. And I start off every episode asking, what was your favorite activity as a child? And it is uncanny how much the favorite activity as a child ends up playing a role in what the person considers as an adult to become their calling. And then the whole through line from childhood of losing it and then regaining it, usually after some painful moment or a moment of great curiosity and adventure, but some way, somehow they rediscover their favorite childhood activity. And that becomes the thing that is the platform for them to finally uh, live their purpose. And I think that we just have to, we, we're born with it. It's innate in us. It's in our operating system. And our job as adults is to keep peeling back the layers. So we do that through meditation. We do it through yoga. We do it through therapy. We do it through AA meetings, you know, whatever is going to expose how you're, you're lying to yourself, the areas of your life where you're not being honest with yourself and where you can be more authentic. Like the, con the confluence of those two areas is where you're going to find your, your purpose, I think. Yeah. That's so good. You guys know why I love to have light on this show because he's always <laughs> <laughs> dropping, the, dropping the wisdom. I, I want to be able to, add, I mean, I want to talk to you. I want to, I'm looking at the time and I'm like, how does this happen? That's why the last one was like two hours because we just right. continue to talk. Um, what do you, what are you wanting people to leave with after reading your book? This one, because I know you, I mean, this is part of, I'm sorry, but I just want to kind of <laughs> praise you for a moment. I mean, you've put so much content out. It's not just the books that you have written. It's also the podcast, which thank you, by the way, for doing that. I remember asking you for, for a long time, like, when are you going to do a podcast? The podcast you know, your, the Instagram posts, your videos, every, every piece of content that you put out, you're one of the only people that I actually really just love to, to see what you're doing, to read about what you're inspired by, because I think that you are, it, it, and unfortunately, there's not a lot of people out there who are actually walking the talk, who are actually out there living their purpose and are actually not only uh, putting things out that are inspiring, putting content out that's inspiring, but also um, living that nomadic life. I mean, living as both the teacher and the student. And I'm, I'm so grateful to know you and to be able to, um, as a student, just consume that information. I think it makes such a huge difference. And coming at it from uh yeah the 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 consumer so to speak it really does impact our lives and so i just definitely want to thank you for that because it does strike a chord and it does make a difference and 
it is inspiring. It really is inspiring. So if, if the intention, I was going to ask what your intention or what the purpose was, what you wanted to leave people with. Um, this book, like I said at the beginning, just to bring it back full circle, really inspired something within me and really acted as a, as a light, so to speak, as a flashlight during a very, <laughs> <laughs> during a very dark moment. And so, yeah, I mean, if, if you want to add to that, you can. Yeah, that's the idea. The idea is really simple. It's just, to, it's just to um, inspire other people who come across this work to, to take their own leap of faith, to follow their heart, to trust their intuition, to believe in themselves. Because I know that that is what that has informed so much of my own journey. And, uh, and once you start doing it, I posted this, I sent this email out today in my daily dose about, um, it was a Stephen King quote. He said, the scariest part is always just before you start. And, um, and I, I said that when I went, when I decided to go nomadic, when I decided to really do it, the scariest part for me was giving my 30 day notice, like just before I handed in my 30 day notice. And that's what made it real. But then after that, the fear goes away and then it gets replaced by just strategy and logistics. And you just get busy with figuring it all out because you, now you're choiceless. And so there's freedom in that choicelessness that I think people underappreciate. Like we think that having multiple more choices is true freedom, but that obviously in everyone's experience leads to paralysis, you know, Malcolm Gladwell did a great Ted talk about this, about how you, or maybe it wasn't him, maybe it was someone else, but how you, you walk in the grocery store into the pickle aisle or the mustard aisle. And there's like all these choices and you can't decide which one you want because you're, you don't want to make the wrong choice. But when you put yourself into a, to a corner and you have, you only have one choice, which is to get out of that corner and everything you can focus all your energy on that one choice so there's power in that and there's freedom in that and there's liberation in that and um and so that's what i want to leave people with is is getting them to a point where they can front load the the discomfort that comes with change and they can start to create their version of going nomadic or their version of starting a podcast because some people you know we love to to, to, to take a, to let ourselves off the hook by saying, oh, I don't even want to do a podcast anyway, or I would never go nomadic. Okay, fine. You don't have to go nomadic. Maybe that's not for you. Maybe you, see, I came from a very stable childhood. So for me, it's interesting to experiment with instability. But if you had instability growing up, it may be interesting for you to practice stability in some way that maybe wouldn't resonate with me. So whatever your version of the opposite is, explore that. And then through exploring those areas that make you uncomfortable, you'll find comfort and discomfort. And then you'll find that, that fear that tends to stop most of us most of the time. It won't be an issue for you anymore. And you'll find yourself, you'll, you're, taking a leap of faith is not a single act. It's a lifestyle, right? And so it starts small. And, and then when someone, when you do something big, everyone's like, oh my God, I can't believe. Yeah, well, it's, it's, for you, it's just Tuesday. It's because you've done it a thousand times. It's not a huge deal, right? So that's, that's the principle that I want to leave people with. And I think that you do a great job at leaving people with 
exactly that. So thank you. Uh, Light, thank you so much for being on the show and for writing this book. The book is called Knowing Where to Look. And we will put the links that Light mentioned. Is there any any other place that people can get a hold of you? Or do you want to? Um, you know, lightwatkins.com is the hub. And, um, and I actually just launched a community called the Happiness Insiders, which is going to, it's like home economics for spiritual work and inner practices and stuff. So um, for those of you who want to go deeper into all of that and be held accountable and, and be mentored by me, then that would be, check, check that out. You can find that on lightwatkins.com as well. Okay, great. We'll put the links, uh, all the links that Light mentioned, as well as we'll find that TED Talk too. We'll link that up. <laughs> as well as the the first interview that we did, that'll be in the show notes. So if you go to the info button of this podcast, you can get all of those links there. Um, and before I let you go, Light, I'm gonna, I wonder if your answer is different, but I'm gonna ask you the final question. And uh, you already know why I do what I do. So the final question is, how do you feel radically loved? I feel radically loved when I am, um, when I'm giving, when I'm giving, when I'm being of service and just seeing the joy in people's faces and, and just feeling that, that sense of, of connection that you don't get when you're just thinking about yourself all the time and trying worrying about what you can get, you know, that's, that's where I feel radically well. Thank you so much. Thank you again for everything, for being part of our community and we're we're so grateful to have you and we can't wait to hear what everybody thought about this episode don't forget to subscribe rate and review and let us know what you thought light thank you so much thank you rosie hey everyone i hope you enjoyed this episode i am so excited to continue to do this please share this with your friends email us message us on instagram at rosie acosta or on twitter at rosie acosta subscribe on itunes write a review we love doing this so please help us continue to keep this podcast going thanks for listening